Hello, everybody. Thank Hello, you. Bro. Happy birthday, Brother Wilson. <laughs> Why, thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Praise the Lord. It is gl I am glad to be here. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. Yes. Let us rejoice and be glad. Amen. I have many reasons to rejoice. Well, thank you all for joining, uh, joining us here, those of you who are here in person and yes. those of you who are joining uh, online in whatever format it may be. So uh, my name is Xavier, Brother Xavier Wilson. I am excited to share my heart Amen. and um, the Word of God. Over the last 10 months, it's hard to believe it's been 10 months. <laughs> Wow. Uh, my wife and I have a tag team in sharing about uh, the parables um, focused on the kingdom of heaven. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like. And so tonight we're going to continue that. We're almost ready to wrap up for uh, the year. But uh, tonight we will be continuing looking at the parable of the ten bridemaids. Uh, many of you may be familiar with that. Um, we're just going to dissect that a little bit and uh, see what God is speaking to our hearts tonight. Uh, and that can be found in Matthew, the uh, 25th chapter, starting at verse 1. Amen. That's the beginning of the chapter. Uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Amen. Oh, our Father who art in heaven, yes, Lord, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Lord God, we lift you up, we exalt you, and we glorify you. Lord, we invite your presence, your anointing, your grace, your mercy, and love into uh, this, this time of Bible study, Lord. Let your anointing and your grace flow tonight and touch every heart that is under and that can hear the very sound of my voice. May you be lifted up. God, may you be glorified. May Jesus receive the glory tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And it starts off in uh, Matthew's, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. We pause and we reflect on the glory and the awesomeness of God. And then it goes on to say in verse 10, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Not the world's. Not our own, Amen. not societies, Amen. not a different culture or, or company or yes. ethnicity, but your kingdom, your the kingdom. kingdom of God come. Yes. Your will be done on earth, on earth is what we desire and what we pray Thank you, Jesus. as it is in heaven. So tonight, as I mentioned, we are uh, talking through and studying the kingdom of heaven, looking at uh, the parable of the ten bridesmaids. But before we dive into the scripture, I just want to uh, tell you a little bit about uh, weddings, and it's because that's what we're talking here, in essence, about uh, the second coming of Christ and it being like a, a wedding feast. But this past weekend, I had the opportunity to work a wedding that was at uh, the building in which I, I work at. And um, 
as I was, I was there really in observation to ensure, right, that everything was uh, happening as it should to be a support to our, our staff who had done months of planning as well as to uh, the bride and the groom and their family. Amen. And this is, this is an exciting moment. This is two families, right, coming together, a groom and his family, a bride and her family, Come becoming as one family at this what very exciting event. But before the wedding ceremony even began, you see the groom was he was getting ready to receive his bride. Right. And, and and in this place, the this was happening in our our grand ballroom, right? Over 200 and some guests were expected uh, to be there to celebrate with, with the family, with the bride and the groom. And I walked in as guests are beginning to arrive. Guests that were coming from all over, from every nationality, from all walks uh, of life, uh, from all over the country. There, the guests are beginning to arrive for this exciting event. They're dressed to the dapper. I saw suits and ties and fancy shoes and beautiful dresses and earrings. All of this, right, as they are adorned themselves. They prepared themselves. Right for this occasion. And so there is excitement as I see the families and the friends begin to greet each other, right? They have something in common, they have a shared bond, they have uh, uh, the same friends or perhaps family members that they had not seen in some time coming together all for this. And I get to observe it, right? I had this moment of, of observation. But before the ceremony began, the bride was with her, her father and her mother, and they are actually gathered outside the banquet hall. Lots of parallels here. The ballroom doors are closed. The guests have not even begun to, to go into uh, there, and they are awaiting the signal. The bride is in the hallway, and she's waiting for the signal to march, to process to meet and to be with her groom. And, and, I, and I'm watching there it, it, as she doesn't know exactly, you know, when and at what moment that a notice is going to come, but she has prepared herself as she's waiting. She's prepared herself, right? As she stands there with her parents, uh, and in front of her are her attendants, these bridesmaids who are dressed similar, who are there to celebrate, and they will go before her in this procession. And they also have prepared themselves. They, they are there in, for this big moment to walk before the bride, to help her greet, and yes. to be with the groom for this wonderful wedding ceremony. See, what the guests didn't see, though, is the preparation that the bridesmaids have to do to prepare. They prepared themselves and the bride before the ceremony for hours and hours and months even in planning that has happened. And so with many wedding ceremonies, there were, there were many details, things to get ready, and all of which are happening up until the very moment when the groom arrives 
and gives the signal to receive his bride. And so Jesus is sharing this parable of the ten bridesmaids, and each with their own lamps in a parable we are about to explore. So let's take a look at it. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish, what? They didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough, right? Were wise enough to take what? Extra oil. oil. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And then verse 6, it says, At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look! It says, look, they hear, the bridegroom is coming. He's coming. Come out and what? Meet him. All the bridesmaids, they got up, they prepared their lamps, and then the five foolish ones asked the others, hey, uh, can you give us some oil because uh, our lamps are going out? But the others replied, we don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Talk about timing, right? But while they were gone, gone, they had left to buy oil. It says, what? The bridegroom came or returned. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me. Believe me. Believe me. (laughs) Believe me. I don't know you. Then it goes on to verse 13 to say, so you too must, what? Keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Watch. 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 You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. See, wedding festivals, it's it's fascinating because wedding festivals in those days, they lasted up to seven days sometimes. Uh, They were really drawn out, really ornate. Lots uh, of... uh, um, of processes and different uh, ceremonies and celebrations and preparations, customs to do. So delays were not uncommon. It just wasn't an uncommon thing. I mean, perhaps maybe even you've been to a, a wedding and it didn't start on time and you're like, when, <laughs> when is this thing going to kick off? Um, but the role of the ten bridesmaids, uh, some versions say uh, ten virgins, they were to attend to the bride. Right. So it was customary for the wedding procession to be led by these bridesmaids carrying what oil in their lamps. Hmm. Carrying oil in their lamps. So the procession to meet the bridegroom and to escort him to the wedding banquet, this was an honor. It was an honor to be selected and be a part of those that were to meet and escort the bridegroom 
right? To the ceremony, to the wedding banquet. And see, all ten that we find here in this parable are expecting him. They all are expecting him to arrive. But when he arrives, and when he arrives, right, we know that that's when this great wedding feast is going to begin. It can't start until then. But once he arrives, everyone can go in and everyone can feast together and everyone celebrates. Amen. And it is a glorious celebration. And we start here with these ten bridesmaids being well filled with the Spirit. They are passionate and expecting what is to come and to be a part of this opportunity, this moment. In this moment, right? They, this is important to be a part of this moment. But there is a difference. Jesus describes this difference between the ten there were five and five, five foolish, it says, and five wise. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And why were the five foolish? Because they didn't take enough oil for their lamps. And the other five, not only did they have oil for their lamps, but they, they thought, right, they prepared right. and they brought extra oil. Not knowing, right, that it, things may be delayed, but in the spirit of preparation, in the spirit of being ready, in the spirit of expectation, they were ready. Amen. So I want to start off by talking about what preparation, right? This is what we, one of the things we can find and unpack in this parable. So have you, think about it, have you ever been involved in planning a wedding? Or assisting someone, perhaps even planning a wedding? There's a lot to it. There is a lot to it. Or maybe it wasn't a wedding, but a different significant, right, celebration, whether it be for yourself or for a close relative. In preparation, there's so much, there's so many details. There's, there's tasks, right? There's things after things. Uh, uh, if you were a list maker, perhaps you have a, a notebook full of lists, things to do, uh, things to study, uh, uh, finances to, to pull together. But the lack of preparation can be a deal breaker. Especially when you're planning something so extravagant uh, that a lot of people are going to be a part of. The success of the event many times uh, can be pointed to the amount of preparation that is taken into consideration. Right. But preparation involves our time. Preparation sometimes also will cost us. Yes. Maybe not financially, perhaps, but sacrificially, right? You have, you, have, you have to prioritize. You have to think, what am I going to focus on? What is most important? Right. What is, how do I want to spend my time? Or how much time should be even spent on this or, or that? So that you are ready, right? Preparation so that you are ready Amen. when the time comes. In this parable, Jesus gives an urgent warning to be prepared. 
To be ready is the word he used, right? right? To be ready. And the parable serves as a lesson on readiness and the preparedness of what? The return of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But even in the preparation, there is also the importance of timing. Now, here in the parable, we, it uses the phrase, at midnight. at midnight. They were roused by the shout, Look! The bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. Amen. So what, does Je- what is Jesus really telling us about the timing of his second coming? When you least expect it. Let's look at a couple of verses in the previous chapter. So Matthew uh, chapter 24, starting at verse 3, we're going to uh, highlight a couple of these. And it says, so also, when you see all these things, right. right, when you see all these things happening, you know that he is near That's right. at the very gate, right. at the very gate. And then in verse 36, it says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That just fascinates (laughs) Fascinates my mind and thought. Um, And then in Matthew 24 and 50, I believe I have that. uh, It says, the master will return, what? Unannounced and unexpected. In the New Living Translation. Unannounced. And unexpected. I don't have a slide for this, but the the Amplified says it this way. The master of that servant will come on a day when he doesn't expect it. And at an hour which he is unaware. So the question is, what will you be doing? Where will your heart be? Will you be continually looking and ready when the hour comes. It needs to be our constant position, right? And yet there is also something so deep because it names a time of day. Midnight. Midnight. You don't expect it at midnight. But God loves time in a way that we don't completely understand. But he says, at midnight. But the other fascinating part about this is midnight has certain uh, symbolism or or other uh, uh, accountants that we can look at, right, right, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament because we know that at midnight... Right. It, it is a time of what? Breakthrough. See, midnight points to the time of breakthrough. And let me tell you how I got there or how we get there. Because at midnight, it seems like, or it is, appears, right, in, in the, to the natural eye, the darkest hour. The darkest hour. But God. But God. You see, it was at midnight... That Paul and Silas were what? 
freed. That's right. It was at midnight. See, it was at midnight that the Philippian jailer was saved. Yes. It was at midnight that the Israelites were delivered. So this is a significant time for Jesus to show up and to break through in what seems like our darkest hour. Woo! Right there. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. This parable also talks about our spiritual preparedness, right? Yes, it does. The oil. The oil serves as, 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 as a, a symbolism or, or, or connects to our spiritual preparedness. Because we know that the word of God tells us the word is what? A lamp. Unto our feet. Unto our feet. Amen. And a light to what? Our path. To our path. So these, these uh, uh, bridesmaids who are identified, they're holding a lamp that is a light to their feet and a light to their path. But if your oil goes out, you got no light. The Bible also refers to us, right, as vessels. Right, So this parable is talking about a vessel that is holding the oil, that is, that is shining the light in the midst of darkness. Right. God sees us as vessels mm -hmm. to be filled with his Holy Spirit, shining a light in the midst of darkness Amen. in our present day. Amen. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. Let's, let's dive a little bit more into this. It says, For God who said, Let there be light in what? In the darkness. In the darkness. Has made light shine in our hearts. Yes. So that we can know the glory of our God. Amen. That is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7 it says, We now. We now have this light shining in our hearts. Amen. But we ourselves, we ourselves are like fragile clay jars mm, containing a great treasure. Mm, so good. Fragile clay jars containing such a great treasure treasure. Amen. See, empty lamps are useless. Empty vessels are not effective. Yes, sir. It's like taking a flashlight to the basement and you have no batteries. <laughs> it's pitch black dark. That's, that's right. So they can't cast the light in the darkness. They can't guide themselves. You can't guide yourself or anybody else with you. Else. You are leading yourself blind. See, we need God's infilling presence Amen. and power in our lives daily, especially in this hour. Because we know not the day, nor the hour. Preparation requires abiding. As I was thinking about this and meditating on this, it's about abiding, mm -hmm. abiding in his presence. And we see this in John when 
Jesus is talking in John 15 and in verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. I need to be abiding, connected, in relationship with Jesus. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That's right. It's a connection. It's an interlocking uh, connection, right? Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. We. Us. We. We. Us. We are the branches. Whoever abides in Jesus, right? And God in us. Right. He... He he it is that bears much fruit. So our ability to bear much fruit, our ability to shine the light and point to Jesus requires us to be abiding in relationship, in connection with Jesus Christ. For apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. That's why the, the five are considered foolish. Because they have run out of oil when they needed the most. In the very moment they needed. They can do nothing. So what does this mean? What, is it, what does it look like? A heart Devoted and growing in relationship with Jesus Christ as what? Our Lord and Savior. Our Redeemer. Our Healer. Continually. It is about pouring our, our heart into the very Word of God and absorbing it. Right? It is about praising and worshiping God more than on Sunday. That's right. Amen. It is like, because if our, if our methodology of our practice is different, it is like me coming on Sunday, filling my vessel, right. and then spending the next six days on the oil that I have in hopes that when I... I can get back there on the seventh day and fill up my oil again. Yes. Right? That's right. But we know that life and things happen that is taxing, right? And then draws upon our oil or the midnight hour, right? That we may use more oil than we had intended. But praise and worship, just taking a moment to praise God and worship Him and glorify His name. Allows the Spirit of God to fill us to overflowing that others may see Christ in us. In us. And it is also about time devoted in prayer. Mm-hmm. Time where we're just wanting to sit and bask in the very presence of God. And we need time to share what's on our heart and time to listen to what's on God's heart. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Is this Amen. good? This is wonderful. Wonderful. Good stuff. 
<laughs> so, so let me attempt to connect some things that, that have recently happened. I, I, to give you a sense of, uh, of, of the timing and the urgency, I, I, I really think it is, it is God, right? So this series, The Kingdom of Heaven, was put on pastor's heart some time ago with preparation. And then when you think about just the world events that have been unfolded in the last 14 days, yeah, right. Jesus is saying to us yes, loud, loudly, yes, be, ready. be ready, be ready, be ready. The bridegroom is at the door, be ready. Prepare your hearts, prepare your minds, prepare your spirits. Get into your inner chamber yes. with the presence of God yes. so that you are hearing his voice and you will not be deceived by the world and what is happening around you. Do not be deceived. Oh. It is also fascinating because over the last couple of months, people have been teaching on the reverential fear of God, yes. the awe of God, like never before. Yeah, it's true. Right? Mm. So that the church, the body, the bride is preparing itself. Right? Yes. This is what this is God's timing. So that the bride because God wants the bride to be ready to receive Jesus Christ. Amen. It is for the ecclesia that we know and understand truly what is the fear of the Lord. What is the awe of God? My God. Hear it. In this time, there has been an increase in teachings on the prophetic timing of God. Like never before in the last four years. Just in the last two months. People hearing the voice of God, studying prophetic timing. Why? To proclaim the word of God so that we get ready. And that we are ready, right? Amen. It is not just about getting ready, it's that we are ready. Amen. Amen. And yet, there'll be five foolish. And right. yet, yes, which is my next point. There are those who are running out of oil. Yes. And it is showing in the condition of their hearts towards God. Oh my God. Staggering uh, um, statistics that I found. Recent research shows 40 million Americans have stopped attending church in the past 25 years. And now that number is higher to in the in the most recent says over 60 million. Wow. That's over 12% of the population. Right. It represents some of the largest concentration of change in the church attendance in American history. Right. 35 another research shows or, or said 35 million who used to attend church, who no longer do, they no longer self-identify as Christians or claim to follow Jesus or worship God in any meaningful way. It breaks the heart of God. 
it breaks the heart of God because deception is, has been running rampantly. There are three things that I believe that are under attack. The first, the first is faith. Yes, it is. Right? Faith, right? It's the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. So true. To the natural eye, it's truth. Mm -hmm. Right? Because truth is being attacked and argued as to what is or being redefined as what is truth. Yes. We have to point to the word of God and we have to know the word of God for ourselves so that our own oil does not run out. The next one is hope. There has been, and I continue to hear, an increase of discouragement amongst believers. Discouragement. It's the truth. We, as believers, need to rally together and push back the attack of the enemy mm -hmm. and continue to fan the flame of faith and hope in our lives and in our families with the expectation in the God who never fails. Never fails. Our expectation in Jesus' return. Amen. Our ex-faith and our hope in the Lord God Almighty who is greater than our situation, than the situations that are happening all across the globe. It's true. And love. Love, love. is under attack. Yes, it is. God's very people God's chosen people and the church are under attack. Love is being redefined by the world's culture. As to say, this is, this is not love, that's hate, right? Right, right, right? But God is saying, get ready. Get ready. The bridegroom is coming. Get ready. Be prepared. Let's look at Revelations uh, <clears throat> 19, starting at verse 6. Or, sorry, we're going to start with Revelations 3.20. Just kidding. <laughs> look! Look. It says, I stand at the door and knock. Yes. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will, will. come in. Yeah. I will come in. And we will share a meal together. But we have to respond. What is the response? You have to open the door. We have to in, it respond to the invitation. And the promise is, we, right? Christ is saying we will share a meal together as friends. Do I have Revelation 19? No, maybe not. Okay, that's all right. Um, I also want to talk about a heart. You see, many as we as we've looked over 
the uh, parables over the last uh, 10 months, Jesus often points to the condition of your heart and where your heart is. Revelation 19, 6 and 9. It says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of what? A vast crowd, or the roar of the mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For the Lord, our God, the Almighty, He reigns. Yes. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us what? Give honor to Him. Give honor to him. What do I have next? For the time has come. It's come. For the wedding feast of the Lamb. Right. And his bride has what? Prepared. She has prepared herself. Prepared, prepared, yes. She has been given the finest of white linen to wear. Stunning, right? So for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come what? from God. Blessed are those who are invited to the to the wedding feast of the Lamb. We have to prepare our hearts uh, yes, we do. for the wedding feast of the Lamb. A heart that is right towards God. We have to focus our thoughts on the Word of God Amen. and know how God defines truth. What his word says. In Joel, Joel, it, I thought it was fascinating today because in my in my Bible app, the uh, scripture that was highlighted today came from uh, the second chapter of Joel, and as I, I looked at that today, it, it connects and correlates to what I was planning and preparing uh, for. For today, we'll jump around a little bit in Joel, and then I'll pull back and sort of uh, uh, point out a couple of things. But let's start with verse one in chapter two. It says, "Blow the trumpet in Zion." Right. So there is an announcement: "Blow the trumpet in Zion." It is a sound that is going to the earth, and the sound and alarm in my holy mountain. It is to get your attention. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is what? Coming. It's coming. For it is at hand. It's here. Now, we're going to jump to verse uh, 12. It says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Isn't that fascinating? Turn to me with all your heart. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Right? So rend your heart. And not your garments. It's not about what you're wearing. It is about the condition of our hearts. Return to the Lord your God. 
For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. And then it says in verse 16, gather the people. We're preparing, right? We're getting ready. We're gathering, gathering. We're sanctifying the congregation, right? We are assembling the elders. Right? There is movement happening here. There, we are gathering the children and the babies that are nursing. We let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. The moment, the day of the Lord is coming. We have to be ready to move when we hear the alarm, when we hear the shout, when we hear the voice of God speaking to us, right? We have to be discerning of the Holy Spirit yes. in the very moment and timing. And then I think we jump a little bit further into the chapter. Do I? Maybe? Maybe not. I end there. Okay. Um, so let me point out a couple of things. First, we see at the beginning of this chapter, it's talking about blowing the trumpet in Zion, right? It is getting the alarm. It is the cry. It is the alert, right? That the day of the Lord is coming and is at hand. Right. And then it's fascinating. He talks about darkness and gloominess, right? There's days of clouds. There's days of thick darkness. The clouds, the morning clouds are spread over the mountains. So it is sort of, it is this dark and gloomy, uncertain time to the natural eye. Hear me, to the natural eye. To the natural eye. And Joel says, the prophecy is a call to what? Repentance. Repentance. Where God is saying, Turn to me with all your heart. Amen. Get ready. Get ready. And then there is the gathering, right? So after there is the repentance, there is a gathering of the people and the congregation because we are at the moment where the bridegroom is going out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room to come and meet. And then later in the chapter, and this is fascinating, in, in Joel, the second chapter, in the 28th verse, we're going to jump down to the 28th verse, this is where God prophesies about pouring out his spirit. And it starts, and it says this in verse uh, 28, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And also... My men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's everyone, right? It is, is encompassing everyone. And I will show wonders in heaven. God is declaring that he alone is God and he will display his mighty power by showing wonders in heaven and in the earth. In the earth. 
There will be blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will turn into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever, whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. Yes. As the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Amen. Get ready. Get ready. The bridegroom is coming. As I wrap up, I want to share with you the lyrics from a, a song, and it's called uh, Yeshua Hamashiach, and it's written by uh, Nathaniel uh, Basie. And I, I'll do this and, and then wrap up in, in prayer. But listen to this. Yeshua Hamashiach, gracious Messiah, soon coming king, told by the prophet Isaiah, our Lord and King, we bow before your throne. You who knew us before the beginning and called us your own, we call you Emmanuel. We are never alone. Jesus the Christ, oh, how you redeemed mankind from sin, sickness, and everything that held humanity behind. Adonai, Elohim, humble, righteous is you, Jehovah Sikinu, and Shahama, always present whenever we need you. We are gone. We were gone forever. But your long hand of salvation rescued us, transformed us, so we so much so that we are now honoring you. Tell me, how could the great Roha become the sacrificial lamb so he can search and rescue all that love him? How could the everlasting become human just so he could save me greater than every than an ever king that has or will ever come. I am that I am three in one, the Father, the Spirit, the Son. Jehovah Jireh, you are more than enough. You are our rock. You are our hiding place, our strong tower. To you, almighty God, be glory and honor and power. Amen. Jehovah, you who own the cattle on a thousand hills, who says and does not just fulfilling every chapter, but every clause, opening prison doors, shutting odd ones, became a sacrifice so we could become called sons and daughters. Amen. God of awesome wonder with you, we don't need any other maker. Yes. When you are the source of everything, Amen. creation, surface, you are not uh, just majestically, you are majestically wrapped in the clouds. Are you not he that has gone up with a shout, oh, with the sound of the trumpet, from sunrise to sunset, you do not change or fade. Yeshua, neither do you ask for a refund for the price that you paid. Oh, unto us a son 
and his name shall be called Jesus, Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. Yeshua, O man of Galilee, lion of Judah, you are the lion of Judah. You are the lion of Judah. I pray that as we have talked about and studied and looked at the parable of the ten bridesmaids, the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart, has encouraged you, has sparked a new flame of expectation and desire to be in close intimacy and relationship with Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is saying, prepare yourselves. The Lord's coming is near. May God bless you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. May he bless you with his peace. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for joining us. God bless.